the thing that I've found is that there's so much beating up of yourself and feeling like, like you're supposed to be ashamed, that you're supposed to stick your tail between your legs and cower because mm-hmm. other people expect that of you. Keep your shame thrower on at all times. Picture that you are flinging shame away from you whenever you have it come at you. The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Marty. How are you? I'm doing great. How was your little uh, jaunt up north? It was awesome. It's just a reminder of how much we need to rest. Yeah. And then for people who aren't in Michigan, Michigan's a beautiful state. What did you see? Oh, man, the dunes. I was walking on the beach. You know, Michigan has more shoreline than the entire eastern seaboard from Maine down to the tip of Miami. If you count both peninsulas, the upper and the lower peninsula of Michigan. And the craziest thing I saw was I was walking along a beach all by myself, nobody in sight on this huge, vast body of water called Lake Michigan. And a snake kind of came out. It was just a large garter snake, but probably almost three feet long. And it had frog legs coming out of its mouth. Oh. How bizarre is that? So well, good. It, it couldn't tempt you that way. No. Because no, it's got his mouthful. Did not make me hungry. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's great to be back too and great to be back recording. I'm excited about the guest today. A return guest. Woo! Our first return guest ever. Yeah. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Cindy Davis, welcome. Thank you very much. So good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. Now, uh, tell a little bit about uh, the project because we're very, very interested in talking about Shrink in the Box. Yeah, so Shrink in the Box is a company that makes anti-anxiety kits, which I started with my best friend, and we've been going since February, I guess it's been. So that has spawned into not only anti-anxiety kits, but we're also doing some anxiety interviews and we're going to colleges and um, high schools doing presentations to try and teach kids how to manage their anxiety. What do you see it out there? Because anxiety is so, so on the rise. And um, for the first time, I think it, it began 90, 1996, people aren't living as long. Right. So it's not just health span, but lifespan is taking a hit and anxiety is a big part of that. What, what are you seeing out there on the ground? The thing that really struck me was talking with high school students and how many of them are super stressed. A lot of them blame the parents, which I don't know if that's allowed or not, but they say that they get a ton of pressure to get into really prestigious colleges mm-hmm. and that pressure supersedes their mental health. So they're always being asked to do more, get into more sports, get into more extracurricular activities just so that they look good for colleges and don't worry about how they feel. So they're they're losing all of their sleep just to keep up. Oh, man. To that point of the parental pressure on some of those things, I remember a friend of mine saying to me about 12 years ago, we realized what our kids 
we think our kids need more and more experience and more and more activity when what they really need is more and more of us. Mm -hmm. That's always hit me. Us when we're not pestering them or worrying them or get them, yeah. getting them concerned about their future. Because mm -hmm. look, the nature of anxiety, it, it, it's time travel, right? That's the essence of it, which is this. I'm safe right now. I don't pick up any um, threats with my senses. So everything is cool. I can relax. But if I time travel into the, an uncertain future and I think that it's super risky and I may not be able to fully participate because I didn't get into an Ivy League school or a Big Ten school or whatever, that's what disturbs our peace. It's a fear of the future. Sometimes the past, we can get anxious about things that we, we did, but it's usually future oriented. Like I'm going to have, a, I'm not going to be okay, right? I'm not going to be prepared. Yeah, which is weird that, that kids feel they're not going to be okay. Especially now when you look around and you see there's help wanted signs everywhere. They can't get people to take jobs. So there are jobs out there. I don't know why our youth feel like the world is not going to support them, but that's definitely out there. And they feel really underprepared to deal with their mental health. They said parents aren't helping. I always find this really weird. So as a parent, I felt like I was supposed to take my daughter to get physicals. So that was her physical well-being was taken care of and get her dental health taken care of. Never was I told to do a mental wellness checkup, which I wish we could get that instituted. Parents just don't think about that. No, um, they don't. I, I had a, a conversation discussion with uh, someone just this week. And um, he asked, he said, is this real? Because when I was growing up, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I said, you know, it, it's good to ask that question, but here's why I know it's real. Two things, really. Um, emergency room visits and um, suicide rate, mm. both trending up. So some of these kids are just waking up and saying, when is life going to be worth it? You know? Right. My observation is, you know, when we were in high school, it was pre-cell phones pre-internet. And so the, the pressure, the input that you had coming at you was either from a TV, your family, or stuff that happened at school. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. not all night long. As a matter of fact, when I was growing up, I remember at 1am or midnight, the TV turning to little fuzzy mm -hmm. things, you know, and, and they play the Star Spangled Banner, it would be over until 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or something like that. Yeah. And the inundation of our children and quote-unquote culture on our kids, the barrage of it, I think no one can, can survive. And they've only got X amount of years behind them mm -hmm. without, and if they're detached from their parents, which is a part of parenting, it's to not raise children, but our goal as parents is to raise adults. Mm -hmm. It's no wonder. Anxiety is also a self-conscious emotion, which means the more we reflect on ourselves, the more uh, unsafe we feel because we feel uh, that that judgment is being uh, laid upon us by other people, not just ourselves, that we're being evaluated by society. I always like society. I put that in air quotes, right? Society. What is society? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's this abstraction that no one can put, you know, pinpoint. They just think it's this force that's pressing upon them. Um, here's the fact of the matter. Nobody really cares, you know, how successful you are, how much money. It doesn't enhance their lives at all. Um, they do care about, um, are you nice to them? Are you, you know, sweet or funny? Or can I um, have a good, you know, interaction with you? 
right? But but as far as being on stage all the time, and, and that's what happens when we feel like when we have anxiety, we feel like we're exposed and people are viewing us or society is viewing us. And am I going to fit in? Right. Self-conscious emotions, they're painful. It's really hard to switch into that mindset, though, because I don't know how society is impacting me, but I definitely feel like I'm supposed to be doing everything I can to be successful, which means make money and be mm-hmm. good at my career. It doesn't mean be kind to other people. So it's really hard to switch yourself into that mm-hmm. mindset. And I definitely went from having a life of working as a screenwriter, which was much more prestigious than not working as a screenwriter. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been interesting to see how people react to me differently now that I'm not writing, that I'm doing shrink of the box stuff versus writing and i'm finding i'm enjoying my life so much more yeah. not being successful yeah, yeah <laughs> by worldly oh, standards yeah, yeah um, <laughs> it takes the pressure off boy that was so nice and, and look christianity and, and the christian way of being is a antidote to these things because christianity we come as servants okay mm-hmm. and if you're you know maybe politically leaning in one direction you might say oh then you're going to be exploited by a power relationship you know you're going to be weak not true at all the best things happen when we're uh, serving other people you want to be successful and by successful i don't mean just worldly success i mean by i like my life kind of successful i'm glad i'm here i'm looking um i have peace about the future be kind to other people and see what happens help them in some way and i don't it doesn't have to be you don't have to mow their lawn I'm talking about just being kind and gentle or interested in them, you know, mm-hmm. I'm truly interested. Now you're happy. So it's, it's, it's what Christ said, you know, seek first the kingdom of God is righteousness. Then those things that you're worried about are added to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can get over not being successful. Like when you hang up, you hang out with people and you go, Oh yeah, I'm unemployed. And they don't suddenly go, Ooh, I'm not going to hang out with you. They suddenly feel better about themselves. They <laughs> yeah, they compare themselves. They got a paycheck. Right, right. They're like, oh, I'm, my life's great compared to yours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Cindy, I have a question. In, in all of the people that you've been interviewing and as you've been interacting, especially with youth, the anxiety, would you describe it as coming from outside of the people that you're talking to? Or would you describe their anxieties? because of what's coming up from within mm-hmm. it's a mix it's kind of interesting because they uh, most of the people that i've been talking to are super successful they're real go-getters really strong so they have this internal need to be accomplishing things at all times so yeah it seems like that's just part of who they are like one person i interviewed said um, he was really good in school from kindergarten on up. And he just had that belief that he had to get all A's and be, that was what he got praised for. That was his identity. So I think there's a bit of just, this is who you are. And then a lot of people talk about the pressures from parents or externals, things like that. So there's a, it's a mix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cindy, can you tell the audience what are those anxiety interviews and where can they find them? Because I was listening to that same guy today and I was with great interest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was the most recent one. I started doing interviews with people who are recovered anxiety sufferers. And I first started just for myself because I found that so uh, instructive when I was trying to get over my problems. And the thing that I found really strange was how everybody had their own recipe for recovery. So it seems like you have to craft your own way of recovering instead of just following some pre-described thing. But then there's a lot of crossover. Like 
there's spirituality was huge. There's so many people that attribute their recovery to spirituality. So that's been really big. I'm sure that's no surprise to you guys. Mm. But um, yeah, so I started doing these, these interviews of anybody I could find who had said they had recovered from anxiety. And um, I ask a lot of the same questions because I'm trying to get a consensus. Mm. It's been very interesting that um, most of them say, when I ask, what do you wish you would have known prior to getting anxiety? that they had no idea what anxiety looked like. So it was really frightening. They didn't know it was normal. They thought they were defective. And I thought that's that's something I feel like uh, we as adults need to remedy and try and get students, kids who are 14 to understand what it looks like before it hits them. And then they had no skills. They didn't know what to do to heal themselves. So that's a big common thing. Mm-hmm. I also like to ask people um, if they could push a button and all their anxiety would go away, would they push the button? And I've only had one person say they pushed the button, which I find really interesting because they've all said that their anxiety was just horrifying, like the worst experience of their entire lives, crippling. And uh, everybody says they've learned so much from it that they've gotten strength from going through such pain and that a lot of them identify with anxiety as that that's who they are. It makes them ambitious. It makes them succeed more. Uh, let's land on that for a second, because people think that that anxiety is helping them. Like it's giving them some extra juice to get it done. Because when I was anxious, I, I, I didn't want to let go of it because it, you know, I was ramped up. So I thought that I was being productive in some way yeah. that I couldn't be. And I'm here to tell you that it's not so at all. You're doing it the hard way. When you do think anything that, that can be done, can be done. Well, I won't say anything, but almost everything that can be done can be done uh, more peacefully. Uh-huh. That anxiety is actually draining us. We don't need that level of cortisol and adrenaline and, and racing mind that comes with that. You know, if mm. imagine a leader, let's say there's a crisis coming up and you can choose between the very anxious person to lead, or you can choose for the person that uh, is collected, right? Uh-huh. Both are concerned. Let's say it's a a tornado or something, right? Uh, Both are concerned. Who's going to be more efficient? I'm good. Yeah, that's the person that you want because anxiety hijacks our frontal lobe. And frontal lobe is where we survey problems, can um, tap into our knowledge base, be strategic, course correct if it's not working. The person who's highly anxious has a very restricted consciousness. It's weird because I've tried this myself. I was super anxious and always was motivated by that. And when I stopped, I really felt naked. You know, you feel like you're, oh, I'm just going to be lazy. But you still do everything (laughs) that you were doing before just without panic. It's very strange. So, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Think about choking. You know what I mean? Think about being (laughs) at the free throw line. You know what I mean? And like you're more likely to choke if you're super ramped up. Yeah. Right, because focus and selectivity of attention is is disturbed. You're you're not concentrating. You're dividing your attention between. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I miss this? Oh no, you're time traveling like that. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say about success and worldly success, I would like for you to answer that because I know people who have a high level. They've achieved, attained a high level of what worldly success looks like, which means the money, the prestigious job. It, it ain't all what you think it is. <laughs> It's so weird. I know for when I was growing up, we watched the Oscars, the Miss America pageant and the Olympics. And I felt like I had to do one of those three things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise I wasn't of value. I have mm-hmm. no idea where that came up from. That's so lame. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for being a screenwriter, I spent, I would spend 
five years alone, killing myself to get work done. And then you'd get a few weeks of glory. And then you were back to isolating yourself, working your butt off and having a miserable life. So yeah. it's a big sacrifice. Was there a letdown when you, let's say, because you, you, you worked on some like high level stuff that people know about movies and you know, well, from thank you. well, it's true. And, um, but it, was there a letdown afterwards? So, okay, wow, all this work and I did it. And then you get this sort of, you know, satisfaction, but then was there a letdown after deflating? That? Yeah, yeah. Deflating. Yeah. Oh, huge. I kept going. This is it. This is yeah. all I get. Yeah. yeah. I was stunned by having this goal. And then once I achieved the goal, it just wasn't that great. So it was very weird. And it happened over and over again. And I kept thinking, why, why do I keep doing this? I know the result's going to be the same thing. Every time it's a letdown. So I would try to tell myself, oh, I like the process of being alone and working by myself. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, growing up, I remember as a kid thinking, when am I going to feel like I get it? When will I quote unquote arrive? You mm. know, when I turn 18, I'll have arrived. And then you turn 18 and you're like, oh, why, you know, and then you tell yourself everybody else has their act together. Why can't I get my act together? And it's, it's kind of a source of anxiety in a way. Then you'd say, well, when I turn, get in my twenties, when I turn 21, I'll have arrived. And every time I've arrived somewhere, I'm like, wait, this is it. I, yeah. There's no magic light that all of a sudden appears. And I understand everything in that way these markers that we set for ourselves and goals are good i i do rely on goals and work to achieve good things but to become enslaved to those things and expect there's some magic that happens it's like you're working and working and working to climb a mountain and you get to the top of this mountain and you're like wait i don't think i'm on the right mountain mm -hmm. good analogy there because i think you're right we we are meaning seeking creatures and we're goal directed that gives us purpose in life. But what are we aiming at? What are we focusing on with our attention? You know, wrong mountain. What's a wrong mountain? It's worldly stuff, really. Mm. It's, um, you know, what if we aimed at something that that mountain is more of the spiritual gifts and rewards that we get by being kind and generous and uh, accepting ourselves? Because people are way harder on themselves than they are other people. All things being done. Haven't you found that? I have. In terms of the anxiety, I don't that Cindy's been helping people with. I don't know. Oh, sure. I mean, that's what causes it. I mean, you know, people are afraid of in social anxiety. Embarrassment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to mm. be embarrassed. They don't want to be rejected. They don't want to be poorly evaluated. What I like to do is I like to spin that around and, and say, you must not think very highly of those people. Why would mm. you assume that they would uh, be mean enough to just judge an innocent person and, and reject them? Why do you think that, you know? And if they do, you don't need to associate with yeah, them. Yeah, good. Find out, <laughs> fail fast on that relationship. Figure them out quick and get away. Exactly. <laughs> don't walk away, run. Run. Yeah. <laughs> don't say nothing. Just get yeah. your coat and move. <laughs> How much of the anxiety thing do you think, scripture talks about two things. We either go for the fruits of the flesh, the things of the flesh, or we go for things of the spirit. And I know I don't like to think in terms of absolutely unavoidable either ors mm -hmm. but there's kind of an unavoidable either or if you're taking in what scripture has to say meaning the bible specifically galatians talks it literally comes up with a list of mm -hmm. the results of the flesh and the results of the spirit and how much of the anxiety do you think comes from seeking after the things of the flesh versus the things of the spirit is that just too neat and tidy or is there really something to it go ahead cindy in my personal experience, 
seeking personal glory is empty. Mm. That's really what I have found. And that trying to do things to make other people enjoy their lives more. Me, I sometimes I, I prep myself before interacting with other people and I go, okay, just radiate love when mm. you are with them. And there's something that just makes me in a much better mood. Every experience, every minute of my life is so much better when I'm a focused on spreading love and joy to other people yeah. than focused on, oh, I need to get this job. I need to get this much money. It's, it, and I don't know, it's kind of an interesting thing because I think, all right, well, here I am doing what makes me feel good. Is that really the path that I'm supposed to be taking? But sure, it, it's working for me. It seems it fits with the Bible. It fits with how I yeah. feel. So, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to read it. I wasn't mm -hmm. getting to, but. I'll do it. Do it. Read it. That's Reflect on this in terms of our topic of anxiety and what, what anxiety survivors have have um, been sharing with you and this is from galatians chapter 5 starting in verse 16 so this was a a letter an ancient letter written to the um, christ followers in galatia which is an area in turkey actually so starting in verse 16 it's paul has written this he says so i say live by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature which is sometimes translated the flesh spirit flesh for the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what's contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under that. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Here's the list. Well, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. None of that stuff is new, but it's all over the place today, isn't it? The orgies are new. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this won't inherit this kingdom of God. And, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, which are acts of goodness, not just wishing goodness on people. That's how the Greek translates it. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, wow, that is a violent way to put it. They've crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And he's writing that to the, the Christ followers, to the community of faith who were struggling just like we're struggling today, aren't we? It's quite a list. Yeah. And to relate that to the interviews that I've been doing, it's interesting because I feel like the people I've talked with are very good people. They, they're not just seeking glory. But they've usually had some kind of horrible thing happen in their lives that's made them have huge anxiety. And a lot of what they need to do is forgive themselves. It's mostly about being kind to themselves as opposed to being kind to other people, at least for the people that I've been interviewing. It's, that's happened over and over again. Like I had this one woman, she had so many things happen to her. 
her, she adopted a son and around age 14, he started to take drugs and then he got convicted of four counts of armed robbery. He threatened to kill himself in front of her. Um, he's now on house arrest at their house because they don't want to keep kids in prison because of COVID. She got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. She lost her job and she had to have her thyroid removed and um, gained 100 pounds all of a sudden. So she had this perfect storm of horrible things go on in her life. And her reaction was, I'm, I failed as a mother. I failed as a wife. I'm worthless. And that's where all of her anxiety and depression stem from. It wasn't, oh, I'm trying to get anything material. It was just her life went down a spiral. And um, she, she's doing great now. Same circumstances, which I find fascinating that nothing has changed in her life. She just has a different attitude and she has forgiven herself. She's found that she has self-worth regardless of having multiple sclerosis, not having a job, failing as a mother. So it's a lot of being kind to you mm. for anxiety. That's, I see that over and over again. How did she arrive at that? The wellness? Well, I know what she did with our kit. She went, we have a um, journal and at the front of the journal, there's this list that you're supposed to do every night to congratulate yourself for taking care of yourself. And it's in get different categories, like physical, spiritual, social, emotional, and has little things to do each day. Because when you're depressed, just flossing your teeth yes. is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So she went through that checklist and she, she challenged herself to do one thing a day. And then once she could do one thing a day, she did two and kept building up. So that helped her. And um, she really got into coloring. She said that was her purpose every day. She'd color a page of the coloring book we gave her. And um, that was what she connected to her art roots. She was an art major and she just started coloring for joy for herself. Mm -hmm. And that gave her purpose. So was, those were two little things that helped her move on. I don't think that's all that cured her but yeah she just got a different attitude about her worth her self-worth and not basing it on her career mm. say something about this tool this cool thing that you've created called shrink in a box what is it for people that didn't hear our first podcast with you yeah so the goal of the company shrink in the box was to come up with the most effective anti-anxiety kit that we could imagine so we've been testing our stuff on as many people who've had anxiety to see what works the best. And the things that we have in our kit that are really, we're getting great feedback on are, we have three decks of flashcards and one set is cognitive behavioral therapy tips. One is dialectical behavior therapy tips. And then one we call little lifesavers, which is tips that anxiety sufferers said helped them the most. Those we've gotten people we've gotten great feedback. People will just flip through the cards and they say, if they're having a panic attack, they calm down in five minutes. So that's been really great. We have a worksheet journal. So in the beginning of the journal, there are worksheets that are the nightly checklist that I was just talking about that has you congratulate yourself for all the little things you do throughout the day. You know, just things like, did you laugh today? You get a check mark for laughing. And it has some uh, CBT worksheets there as well. And then writing prompts for you to do every night so that you reflect on what you did that day and you prep yourself for the next day. And that we've said, a lot of people have said that's been a game changer for them. And, um, and then the coloring book that we have has become so many people's favorite thing. I talked to this one guy, super macho military guy, 
and he loved the coloring book. He was super reluctant to do it, but he was so messed up that he said, I'm going to try everything I can. So he tried everything in the kit. And that was the thing that worked the best for him. He had been abused as a child. His brother committed suicide. His best friend committed suicide. And then he started having a bunch of PTSD trauma. Mm -hmm. He said when he started coloring, it made him have conversations with his younger self and he could forgive his younger self and tell him you can move on and let go. And he said he started to become uh, much more commanding. He would speak in a lower voice even and promote his work. And he said his wife was even more attracted to him. So he said, oh, he knew it was working when his wife thought he was sexy. <laughs> I was like, oh, good side effect. I never would have thought of from coloring. I love it. Start in the box. Maybe we change Start the title. in the box. <laughs> Look at how much forgiveness and judgment is a part of this too. And fear of judgment is an anxiety. The world will judge me. Society will judge me as not adequate. You know, mm -hmm. what, what's, what's great about Christianity is that um, we're still going to be busy and we're still going to have goals, but we, we have different values, a different set of higher, the highest values, not just higher. But, I mean, to love your enemy. I mean, think about the power of that. That's the sin I'm really seeing right now is um, if you disagree with me in any way, I condemn you. And then you get the, the contempt for other human beings for something as simple as they think that um, society would be better under a different political system, let's say, or a different leader, something like that. That's not enough to condemn another human being, in my view. It's amazing to me that people get so caught up in all of that, especially I haven't been seeing that with the people I'm interviewing. They're mostly so caught up in their own problems that poli politics doesn't even on. matter. Yeah. 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 That's one of the dangers of anxiety is it's like you have this magnifying glass. It's not a telescope or wide angle lens that allows you to see things in the horizon. It's like this reverse telescope. Instead of seeing the stars or the craters on the moon, it's curved and it just magnifies you, including your zits and your sores mm. and your the ugliness and the mistakes. Anxiety has this way of shrinking when I dealt with it. And I'm not a regular high anxiety person, but you just focus so inwardly and there's no blame in that. It's just, for me, that was my experience. Everything was magnified in mm -hmm. me that I didn't like. Yeah. And, and that caused me that much more anxiety. Yes. And I, I believe now I was not seeing the world as it truly is in, in its completeness. I understand that very much. That was my experience too. A lot of self-condemnation, a lot of judgment, the expectancy that other people would see it. And people who live with that chronic pain, you know, it's hard to forget about yourself when oh, you're yeah. in pain, whether it's mental pain or physical pain mm -hmm. or relational pain. Yeah, there's so much shame. The thing that I found is that there's so much beating up of yourself and feeling like, like you're supposed to be ashamed, that you're supposed to stick your tail between your legs and cower because mm -hmm. other people expect that of you. And you've probably heard of Brene Brown. Have you read her books? Oh, yeah. yeah I've she's seen her everywhere. Yeah. yeah, she's got a whole thing about shame and how it's such a destructive force that you should never absorb it. But it's amazing how much our society likes shaming people. Mm -hmm. That's one of the tools that we have in our shrink of the box kit is that you're supposed to keep your shame thrower on at all times. So you're supposed to picture that you are flinging shame away from you whenever it tries, whenever you 
have it come at you. Yeah. And what shame is, is it's a uh, self-conscious emotion. And it's also, it's looking at ourselves with uh, condemnation, um, feeling uh, in a very, very diminished way. Right. I'm not good enough. I'm not. And a lot of this will come from childhood because what I've found is that people tend to treat themselves as they were treated. They value themselves as they were valued. They judge themselves. They, they sort of take over when, let's see, if it was a parent or a school group bullying them or whatever. Now, th those people are gone, yet the individual will take over and, and start doing that to themselves. Uh, if they were unloved, they have a hard time loving themselves. Right. If they were punished for simple mistakes, they learned to punish themselves for simple mistakes. You know, one of the problems of humanity, of we, each of us as people, and I can speak for myself, is a lot of things happen to a lot of people and where we get really tripped up. And, and with youth today and adults, let's face it, so much comes at us in life, let alone on this, and we're terrible interpreters of the meaning behind what we're going through. And so what's the first thing we do is blame ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Blame our true. past, blame our foibles, blame, you know. And if we have no sense of our identity and our value, yeah. that only exacerbates the problem of, of our interpretation of the things going on in us. And we blame ourselves or we blame other people for so much of life that, that is going on around mm -hmm. us and in us. And yeah. If we're not careful, we'll, um, that blame will grow and we will condemn life itself. And then that's when people do things to hurt themselves. Wow. Suicide. Mm -hmm. Just rage at the stars, you know, rage at the gods, mm -hmm. the very existence. Yeah. I'm curious what you have to say about preventing suicide among high school students I talked with some who they had, they're in the Dexter school system and there was a suicide of a seventh grader, I think it was. And they said after the suicide, the school plastered all these posters throughout the school saying suicide prevention, suicide awareness, all this kind of stuff. And um, two more kids tried to commit suicide. And the girl I was talking with said it was like you had suicide on the brain because they yeah. talked about it so much. Yeah. To inundate kids is, mm -hmm. yeah. What what should schools be doing? That's he the healthy approach. I know they were trying really hard, but it yeah. seemed like it went the other way. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, that's a big question. Um, as far as systems, um, you know, I, I work with individuals mostly. You know, there needs to be awareness of it for sure. So I think talking about it isn't the problem. I'll go a bit further with that. If you ask and research shows this too, this has been shown, um, that if you just ask them if they're having thoughts like that, they will tell you, mm. right? So if we make it a taboo subject, that doesn't really help us. But isn't there something to the power of suggestion that if we are obsessing about it, it's hard to get away from it as well? Any virtue can become a, a vice. And especially like we didn't see the suicide rate, uh, this uh, successful completion of suicide and girls like we've seen now. So mm -hmm. girls do tend to take on the emotions of their groups. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, very, and that, that's a, a distortion of empathy and compassion. Um, I think that the, the, here's what you do. We have to get way upstream. I agree. In solving this problem, like what you're doing. That's why I'm very supportive of, of this project. 
Mm-hmm. I, I also know that as a Christendom is waning in the West, mm-hmm. we have a religious instinct. We just do. Every culture has it. There's, there's awareness that there's the transcendent in every culture. That's not going to go away. That impulse, that instinct, if it is one, it's going to go someplace else. And it's going to go And our worship and praise is going to go to something else. Mm-hmm. I say it every so often. And I did one of those funerals for one of those children. Yeah. We are wired for meaning. And if parents aren't saying something about where that comes from, and, and we get put on the spot as parents a lot, and I need way more equipping than I got. If we're not replacing what the messages that are coming at kids by saying, just be kind, just be kind, just be kind. You know, there's lists of dozens of virtues, but we're only focused on this one. You know, there's a virtue of assertiveness when that's appropriate, of caring, of cleanliness, of commitment. I'm reading a list here, compassion, confidence, consideration. You know, it's almost like we've elevated kindness and there's so much more to a commitment to truth. And every virtue, when it comes time to act it out, looks like courage. Mm. Interesting. You have to be courageous in order to be kind. You have to be courageous in order to be polite because people can be like, what's going on? You have to be courageous to love. You have to be courageous to confront when that is the virtue that is required of you. But it's, it's so fascinating that kindness has been so elevated. A hundred years ago, 80 years ago, C.S. Lewis was talking about, if the only thing we want is for everybody to have a good time, we've reduced God to a grandpa image saying, oh, it doesn't matter what you do as long as every, a good ha- time was had by all. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. British, so that's how it came across. <laughs> <laughs> a good time was had by all, then we're all okay. That is going to ill-equip us for yeah. the needs of our world today and for the needs in yeah. my life and in your lives. I think that, that we've reduced God to mm. that, the glory, majesty, the, the power, mm-hmm. the truth, the purity. An overarching word in, from a Christian worldview is the holiness of God. And that doesn't just, holiness is not this, like, we've been conditioned to think, oh, that's like the some prissy librarian who's afraid to have any fun or go anywhere or do anything. Um, holiness is, is, it's powerful. You don't have to hide it. You, you've got to guard it, but you don't have to protect it because it's so potent. And there's not that discussion happening anywhere. And, and if we're not going to replace a kid's identity or we're coming up with all these new identities, I think we have an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. That's part of what's causing anxiety. You know, this is a 25-year-old study, but they... So it's before smartphones and all of that. But they looked at 130 some factors of what leads some children to unhealthy behaviors, you know, substance abuse, the the challenges that come with teen pregnancies and things like that. The number one factor that happened from between sports, youth groups, service opportunities was family mealtime. Yeah, yeah. Seems to be the biggest preventer of all of those sad extra things that kids have to do with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think our culture and cell phones and 
like you were saying, Cindy, the need to keep succeeding. I've got to have my kid. My kid can't miss out on that sport. My kid can't miss out on this activity or this club or this dance team or anything like that is our family mealtimes have gotten decimated. Yeah. And, and it's not the meatloaf, right? It's, it's what happens. I love meatloaf when, when you have without that. ketchup. I don't think it's going to cure anxiety for you. <laughs> Oh, it does. If only. Ooh, okay. we can put that in our kit. Meatloaf in a box. <laughs> Meatloaf in a box. Yeah. Brilliant. And so it, it was like one thing I think I did do right with our kids is whether it was 4.45 in the afternoon or 8 at night, we had to sit down and it could have been, been hot dogs. But we didn't have our phones at the table. There our kids, when they were younger, didn't have cell phones till they turned 15 because we lived near the schools and it was all mm -hmm. fine. And everybody else had a cell phone, so they'd always borrow somebody else's anyway. And we'd <laughs> say, walk home. They couldn't just get up from the table. They couldn't pick and choose their food. It was there together till we said, okay, we're done. Let's go. And it wasn't like we were doing family devotions, but it was a ritual for mm -hmm. us that I was really, because of that study when I did youth ministry back in the 1900s, <laughs> that I clung to and Lee, you know, did it brilliantly. But I, I guess I, that could be something for all of us. Well, yeah, look, as the family breaks down, I mean, that's a cause of lots of things, you know, poverty, for instance, you know, and you're talking about meaning and definitely a couple of things that you said, I want to kind of underscore. Now, first of all, we are meaning seeking creatures, which means even in our perception, if we don't know what something is out there because it's dusk, we, we'll fill that in because we have to have meaning just to operate in the world. The highest meaning, what really gives the value, and you'll know this at the end of life interviews when someone's about to pass, it's love. That's the highest meaning. But love is trust and um, peace, joy, right? Trust. Now, walking through the world with trust that you're going to be okay, you know, and your um, immune system isn't getting hammered and you're feeling relaxed because you've got some serenity. That is the way of being. But Christianity is, uh, we're told to carry our cross. It's not like, hey, you'll have nothing but bliss now. Just say these words. Gun, uh, take me away. Yeah, yeah, it's not <laughs> like that. But we know in the psychology literature too, that if we resist an emotion and struggle against it, it that emotion, negative emotion intensifies. Mm -hmm. Right. So there is even a level of acceptance to say, okay, I'm, I'm feeling anxious right now. I'm going to be right. Rather than, oh my gosh, I can't stand this. I take a, a big drink of whiskey or something. You know, it's, it's, it's not like that. We have to learn how to, to be in the world where there is um, suffering and death. Cindy, would you say that for those people who you've been interviewing, and I'm so excited to tune into some of those interviews, would you say that they replaced their anxiety with something or they took their focus off of it and they put it on something else and and here's where i'm coming from is from a christian worldview i would say and scripture said i mean it's throughout history everybody worships mm -hmm. the problem is some of us have some really bad gods Right. Bob Dylan sang this song, you got to serve somebody. And yeah. I wasn't a big fan, but that oh, song, what? sorry, yeah. it's a I great just like his voice. I Low just, train coming. Yeah, that's the, the, the name of the album. Yeah. I, I owned it on mm -hmm. CD, but you got to serve somebody. You might be the devil. You might be the Lord. You got to serve somebody. You might be an ambassador from France. You got to serve somebody. You might be a poor house servant. You got to serve somebody. And the idea was, 
it could be the devil or it's going to be the Lord, but it's got to be somebody. It could be your flesh. It could be the spirit. Is there any kind of move from serving the anxiety? I think sometimes we're so ill that we end up serving our anxiety. And, and I think your kits are so good because they're, they're like tools. They're like weapons. Good. They're good medicine to break that servanthood of us serving our own anxiety or the things that are contributing to our anxiety, you know, staying up all night or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Do you see any kind of a, a shift from worshiping one thing to worshiping another, if you want to put it in those terms? I guess it's, this is similar to what you're saying. What I find most of the people I talk with need is self-care. And by having their anxiety get so huge that they can't function anymore, they are forced to care for themselves. And that seems to be the thing. They need permission to take care of themselves. So permission to take time to exercise. A lot of people attribute part of their cure from anxiety to daily consistent exercise. And they weren't allowing themselves to do that because they were so caught up in taking care of their kids or going to their job or whatever, doing way too much stuff to mm -hmm. succeed as opposed to feel good. So that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's the uh, exercise was a huge thing. Getting more grounded spiritually, taking the time to be spiritual was mm -hmm. a big factor. And then therapy, a lot, everybody had to go to therapy. I at that that's a no brainer. You can't do it alone. You go. Oh yeah. A we lot are of designed for community. We're, we're designed for that. One thing you said reminded me of a quote that's become a favorite for a lot of people. And it's, I think I saw it on Instagram. I'm not inventing it. If you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. Oh yeah. That's so what I'm seeing. Let me say that again. If you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. Da -da. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> Parting shots. Well, I have a question for Marty, a lot of the high school students I talked to said that they were interested in getting therapy and their parents wouldn't take the request seriously. And so they were asking me, how do I get therapy? Are there free resources? I don't know what's legally allowed if you're underage. Yeah, legally, we can't treat without the parental consent. So to go into do that, the self-care they could learn a lot. Those kind you know, you gave me a kit and, and I really looked at it. And I mean, those are great tools. School counselors are available for them, but as far as like psychotherapy treatment, yeah, we can't treat without um, consent Parental from the parent. Consent. But, but, but I think that that's part of like, just you saying that says like, this is, this is the problem that you have to be just perfect out in the world or you're not going to get a shot at life. Right. You can't have any claim on, um, I'm anxious. I'm weak. You know, our way is the way of humility. That that was the best thing I got from coming to the faith away from the worldly patterns and more into what God gives us to do. And in the Bible, it tells us what to do. It doesn't just tell us what to believe. That's just the beginning. It's a different life. Okay. But humility is that self-acceptance and uh, being honest with ourselves. Like, look, I'm small. I'm, I'm one guy. I can't do big things. Anything big needs lots of people to do it. And, but I can accept that about myself. So I don't feel guilty if I say, um, no, 
to people, right? Because I can't do that much. That that's a, re- a relief. These kids and social media, they're encouraged to become egomaniacs and that's painful. You know, everybody's watching, everybody's judging, you know, compare yourself to the other person, get, get on that team, you know. A, a young woman, I mean, a 30 year old woman from England, Miriam Swafield said, we are swimming in a culture that is making us sick. And mm. the culture's answer to our illness is to swim some more. Yes, that, that's what it looks like. So, so prioritizing self-care, which you mentioned before, that's the big thing. Like, and, and, and take the guilt out of it because as I got healthy, my relationships got healthy, mm. right? And, and then some things started happening. Like I'm getting some invitations to speak and things like that, Matt, that's, you, you had me speak and things like that, but I wasn't, I wasn't seeking those things. Mm. I was just trying to be obedient, right? If I'm supposed to- what you said, seek first God's kingdom. That was so different. And these other things are going to be added. They just do. It's how it is, but it it should work like that. The the mechanism is all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's what causes it. The people you want to respond to those things, respond to those things. Uh, It's like a semi-permeable membrane is what Abraham Maslow says. Like it'll, it'll, it'll keep the bad stuff out and let the good stuff in. Nice. But you do have to give up your idols. And if it's self, like the, the narcissism has really got me. And also histrionics right now. I'm seeing like, I cannot believe the arrogance of people that if I think it's true, it is true. And I'm not going to be embarrassed about that. I'm going to plaster it on Facebook. I'm going to condemn other people. You know, those are the worldly sources of, of things. Putting other people, I mean, this is will be controversial, but I don't have time to flesh it out. But you do put other people first. And that's how we put ourselves first. It doesn't mean that you don't do your self-care because self-care is a gift. Mm -hmm. You show up smiling and feeling good and patient. Like that's not going to have an effect on the people around you. It's not selfish at all to care for yourself. Make healthy choices. Yeah. Mm. For the good of everyone. Can I pray for us and for people for whom this is such an acute time of their lives and need? To wrap us up, Cindy, we're just going to have to keep this conversation. Going. I know. So I have many more questions for you too. I'm going to interview you next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. That would be great. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Cindy Davis and for how you are working in her life and through her efforts to help to provide relief, to help people get connected with meaning and purpose again. And I pray a blessing on what she is seeking to do and on the shrink in the box organization company, let alone the actual kits. I pray that they get in the hands of those who need them most. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us that you would help us to keep our eyes peeled. And I thank you, Lord, that sometimes you make it pretty clear that there's the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit and that you have said, we are not just flesh and bones, but we are um, spiritual beings and there's so much joy in that. There's humor in that. There's love. There's community that is awaiting us because it reflects you that peace is not something we go and seek apart from you, but we realize when we're seeking that kind of peace, that it is you who is peace. And I pray Lord that you would help us to realize the personhood of that in you. And I thank you so much for this conversation and for everybody listening. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you like what you're hearing, join us at Patreon. You can talk to us personally there. 
get cool merchandise and exclusive video content and more. Just go to patreon.com and search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can get involved for as little as $1 a month. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.